Hello and welcome to Al Dente, the podcast by and for Adelaide University dental students. We begin by acknowledging that this podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people and we pay our respects to elders past, present and future. I'm Ella George, a third year dental student and I'm your host of Al Dente this year. This episode, I'm joined by our guest for today and that of course would be our patron, Dr. Selback. Most of you know Dr. Selbach as a perio tutor, but this year she's taking on the role of patron. So how are you? If I say very well, it would be a lie, because (laughs) at the moment I'm quite nervous. This is my first ever podcast, so Ella, what are we doing here? (laughs) You have to guide me through that one. No, I'm very well, thank you. That's good to hear. That's exciting, first podcast. This is my third for the year, so I'm just getting used to it as well. Something that I've been introducing in the podcast this year is a media recommendation from each of the speakers. So that could be a good book you've read, a movie you've watched, maybe even a recipe. It could be dental or not. So do you have a recommendation for us? That's a very good question. Um, when it comes to media or anything that I have watched recently, um, we might talk about that streaming service that has the big, bold red letters. <laughs> Uh, We all know which one that is. Um, I've watched an absolute hilariously funny documentary, or you call it a mockumentary, because Mm. it's just uh, making fun of all the documentaries. It's called C-U-N-K, I don't know how you pronounce that one, Uh, Kunk on Earth. So it is with the actress Diane Morgan, and she's kind of explaining a little bit about the history of civilization, and it is smart and funny. So if you want to have a break of dentistry, studying whatsoever, please watch that one, and then we can have a laugh together. That's a good recommendation. That's not one I've heard of. Yeah, no, no, (laughs) it is, is fantastic, absolutely brilliant. That's good. Do you find you get much time for watching TV? No. Um, number one is actually we don't have a TV at home. So, oh, wow. I, so I don't watch any, any mainstream mm-hmm. TV. So and if we watch anything, then of course we utilize one of those streaming services and then mm-hmm. kind of pick really what you would like to watch. But uh, I don't have that much time really. No, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. We certainly see you a lot around uni. My recommendation um, not a so much a media, but an activity I've done recently. Last night I went to a paint and sip class, which I haven't done before. So we're recording this episode on the 15th of February. So yesterday was Valentine's Day. Um, I did that with my partner, but I would definitely recommend it going with either a partner or just a group of friends. It was a really good time and I'm not particularly artistic. I'm not a great painter, but they kind of guide you through it. Um, and it's a lot of fun. So you had to paint your partner. Yes. That was ah, fantastic. <laughs> Off the record, I would like to see those pictures. No, (laughs) (laughs) No, they're not very flattering. Um, You get to see how your partner really sees you. That's excellent. Excellent. (laughs) So the first thing I'd like to ask you is actually what being the patron really entails and maybe a little bit about why that made you want to agree to the role. So a patron, that was a word that was not really in my internal English dictionary. So I actually Mm -hmm. really had to look it up. And where else had I seen patron written? You go somewhere in front of the pub, there are those little signs, uh, parking reserved for patrons. Uh, Do I get my own private car park now here? Do you? No, I don't know. I'm asking you (laughs) now that I'm a patron. I don't get one. Um, So this is one space where I've seen patron written or I don't know. Uh, Ella, have you uh, read Harry Potter? Have you seen the movies? I have several times. There we go. (laughs) Me too. And also there, um, there's this one charm where all the magicians can kind of uh, conjure their magical guardian, mm-hmm. yeah, this expecto patronum charm, yeah, and uh, 
what was Harry's? Harry's. Patron. He had the stag, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, the stag. There we go. That's it. And uh, with that charm, what it actually does, it kind of is it is a projection of all your most positive feelings to defend you against the evil dementors. Not is that, that, that your role as the patron this no, time? No, no, no. You have to tell me what a patron is. <laughs> no, um, I actually asked that question to Nadia and Fiona as well, mm-hmm. and they kind of also told me how it's a bit more like a council for the AUDSS, so mm-hmm. I can act in the best interests of the students, kind of in between the dental school and the um, students. So as I said, I can counsel, yeah, and I said, as I'm acting in the best interest of all of you, yeah, and uh, what for me is also quite interesting because I have not studied here in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still the newbie. I've only been involved in the dental school board for the last five years. And for you all who you are studying here, um, you might hear the word alma mater. Have you heard that one before? Yes, a graduate of the university. Correct. So I mean, alma mater is also another Latin word that kind of means nourishing mother. So oh. this is what you refer to to the university mm-hmm. that you have attended for your undergraduate degree. And so therefore, because University of Adelaide or the Adelaide Dental School is not my alma mater, mm-hmm. so therefore I think being the patron, it actually helped me to kind of get this connection to this university mm. here as well. Yeah, and I said, with my role, um, I probably need a lot of guidance for you as well, or you have to let me know how I can mm-hmm. help you. But um, the executive committee is already doing a great job in that one as well. And what made me accept that role? Um, number one, I felt very honored that I was actually considered for this role. Because if you walk to the Sim Clinic and you see all the big names on the wooden board. And oh, yes, by the radiography room? Correct. Yeah, so if you walk past there, and in the previous years I walked past there, and there are big names out there, mm-hmm. where it's like, whoa, they are the big names of the dental school. Mm-hmm. And for me to kind of to be invited to step into that role, I said, I feel very flattered and honored. So thank you very much for actually having considered me. I know the, the committee was actually very excited about the idea. Fantastic. <laughs> Me too. I'm also excited. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be a good yeah. year. I think we've got a good team with yeah. Fiona and Nadia, yeah. everybody. Now, moving on a little bit from the dental school, can you tell us anything about your life outside of dentistry? Uh, and Anna, this is interesting, outside of dentistry. And the question is really how much of my person is inside of dentistry mm-hmm. and how much of dentistry is actually actually outside in my life. Yes. So just one example. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, um, you had your Valentine's evening mm-hmm. uh, adventure. <laughs> See, and my husband, he brought me a cactus. I love cactus. I don't like cut flowers because you put them in a vase and then they last for a few uh, Days and then they die, and so therefore, my husband always kind of brings me a cactus because they last a long time. And you don't have to water them too often. No, that's (laughs) it, they don't need much care. Yeah, they're just happy in their little pot there. And he got a little splinter or like a little cactus thorn in his thumb. So therefore, how much of myself or me being a dentist influenced my private life? <laughs> I had to get my loops out last night, get, get some <laughs> tweezers. Yeah, I had to try to get this cactus splinter out of my husband's thumb. So therefore, but what else about me outside of uh, dentistry? I think a lot of the senior year students, they know that I'm totally obsessed with my dogs. Yeah, 
uh, and all the junior students now, you're going to hear about them in the future. So we've got our three dogs at home. They are called uh, Abby. She is 13. 13? She, she is 13. Wow. Yes, she is a cancer survivor. She just had a huge operation last year. So we are quite happy that she is still with us. And we have got the two juniors. So we've got Tonka, who is one and a half, and Momo, who is half a year old. And they actually keep us quite busy. I can imagine, especially with the two young dogs. The good thing is not only they keep us busy, but they keep themselves entertained. So they are playing non-stop and you kind of really sometimes have to really put your foot down. Excuse me, that's enough now. Please, we have to go on a walk. We have to do something. We can't just play all the time. No, they can play all the time. So that is actually occupying quite a fair bit mm -hmm. uh, of my life outside of dentistry. And uh, what else? What else? Some of you might know this, but I'm not living in the city. I'm living down south. So I'm kind of traveling always in between uh, Onkaparinga Hills and Port Nalanga. So it's always mm -hmm. quite a bit of a commitment for me to come to work with yes, you guys. Yes, it so is a long, long Yes, journey. it is a long journey, but it's worth it because I get to work together with all of you mm -hmm. then during my work hours and so therefore we live kind of the sea change and the tree change so we can live in Port Nalanga close to the beach um, and we also run a dive shop there and holiday accommodations so really something totally different yes so me not being the dentist now we are also entrepreneurs in the dive wow. industry you do sound very busy <laughs> yes we, we are busy so our day needs more than 24 hours usually mm -hmm. And uh, so therefore we can enjoy the beauty of the underwater world in Port Nalanga mm -hmm. and then also our place where we live at the moment in Onkaparinga Hills. Uh, beautiful. You see the kangaroos hopping across yes. the property. You hear the koalas. If you have never heard a koala, look it up online. It's not the nicest sound. Not what you imagine, those cute little cuddly. They look very cuddly. <laughs> yes, but they don't sound cuddly at all. Yeah, and uh, we also live there with our four chickens, meaning one mm -hmm. rooster and uh, three chickens. So every morning I'm doing my little chicken run with the dogs. So they come up and they wait and then they get their fresh egg in the morning. Oh, lucky dogs. Yes, no, they, they love it. They just had to learn then not to chase the chickens or therefore... We had to set the routine, especially for the younger ones. Chickens are friends. They produce eggs. You don't mm -hmm. chase them. Definitely. <laughs> Do you have to keep them like in a pen? Yes. Or? Yes. Yeah. We've got a larger uh, chicken enclosure because otherwise, uh, I think the dogs would be too tempted. Definitely. To nibble on the chicken feed, I'd say. <laughs> If the eggs taste good, the chicken probably does too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the problem. Speaking of the fact that yeah. you live down by the beach yeah. in such a beautiful part of Australia, what brought you here? To Australia? Yes. My story, um, in 95, I decided to be an exchange student in mm. Adelaide. Oh, really? So that was uh, year 11, year 12 at that time. So I told my parents, excuse me, I would like to uh, zoom off. I would like to visit a different country and back then I really wanted to stay somewhere closer to the ocean yes. and so therefore that's why I choose Australia and mm -hmm. uh, so then in 95 and I took the chance and I ended up in McLean Vale and I went to Wollonga High School. Oh wow! Little do you know as a 15, 16 year old how great McLaren Vale is, but um, <laughs> that's how I kind of started my experience yes. here in Adelaide. So I spent a year here and... Uh, a full year? A full year, yep. And I made some very good friends here and uh, in 2013, that was the first time that I had the chance of work mm -hmm. um, to come back and visit. And this is where I met my now husband. So I can fully blame him <laughs> uh, for me now having moved to Australia. 
but kind of all my love for Australia already started in 95. Yes. When you came in 95, yeah. did you did that give you the idea that you would like to move here one day? No. No. I had no idea at all. <laughs> Nothing. I, if you would have asked me then, would you think in a few years' time you're going to live here? I said, nah, why? I don't know. It would, would be nice, but mm -hmm. yeah. Now it all changed in 2013. And uh, my husband's, well, my husband, my parents are still saying if we would have known that now you move to the other side of the world, we probably would have never let you go back then. But uh, Yes, no, it's a very far journey. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. I was going to say, I think I did the same exchange as you. Okay. Mine was shorter. Mine was three months. Okay. But I spent three months in a high school in Germany and we oh, did really? a typical exchange. Yeah. Fantastic. No, I like Between that. your 11 and 12. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so your husband is from Adelaide originally? Uh, no. So my husband, he is from Germany as well, mm -hmm. but he moved to Australia in uh, 96. Mm -hmm. So he has been there a little bit longer than yes. I have. And I think That's he's probably more Aussie than German. Or <laughs> he, is, he has lived longer in Australia than yeah. in Germany. Do you feel more German than Australian? I think I have got some very German traits in me. Mm -hmm. But I think the Australian way of life has taught me a lot mm -hmm. to change my perspective in life. So everyone says, okay, Australia might be a little bit more laid back. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, it is. And that is a good thing. And you are living in one of the most beautiful countries in the world. So, um, and it actually brought me a understanding of nature because mm. I've never felt that connected to nature when living in Germany because Germany is fairly small, it's got the size of South Australia mm -hmm. but we have got I think 83 million people living there. Yeah, of course there is beautiful landscape but when you're within the cities you don't really see the nature mm -hmm. and you don't really tend to experience the nature and here in Australia with the vast open horizon you can see the horizon mm -hmm. and, and especially down in Portnalanga when there's a winter storm coming up over the ocean you see the change coming. This is something I've never seen in Germany before so therefore for me it was kind of uh, bonding with the nature. Mm -hmm. That has totally changed my perspective. That's nice to hear. I think mm -hmm. that's especially true about Adelaide because the actual city and suburban part of Adelaide is quite small. Mm -hmm. So if you're in the city, even though it's a long way to go to work, you yeah. can get down yeah. south within an hour or yeah. half an hour to the hills. Yeah. It's yeah. very, very accessible to nature. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is absolutely beautiful here. So that move from Germany yeah. to Australia, yeah. what was it like? Um, it depends on if you ask me in my career life in dentistry mm -hmm. or privately. I said privately I packed my life in boxes and some of those boxes are still stored at my parents. <laughs> <laughs> and you have got a certain luggage allowance that you yes. can take on the plane, but I can assure you I maxed, maxed out that one. And every time- It's not a lot if you're moving your whole life. No, <laughs> it is not, it is not. And you really have to sort through the things, okay, what is really valuable to mm -hmm. me? What do I want to take with me? And uh, but every time when we go back, uh, I like to collect things again. I'm a bit of a hoarder there, so therefore <laughs> I get some more stuff back over again. No, but if, if you ask me in regards to dentistry, that was a big move. And why was it, was it a big move? Number one, I studied dentistry in Germany. That means also the university, everything was taught in German. Mm -hmm. So even though I had English in high school, um, but dental English is another different language so mm -hmm. I kind of had to fully restudy everything uh, suddenly the extraction forceps had different names mm -hmm. uh, you call the birds by numbers we used to call them by their shape so it kind of oh, right. it, it, there was a bit of miscommunication at the start for mm -hmm. example also with my DA when I was like oh I would like to have this and then 
person looked at me and said, you want what? I said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know the name. <laughs> so I was, I was really studying a mm. whole new language. Yeah, definitely. And of course, probably one of the biggest hurdles for me was because Australia didn't recognize my qualification from overseas. Mm-hmm. So I had to go through the ADC examination. Right. I've heard that's a very difficult process. Okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is a major, major task. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I say I, I was quite fortunate that it actually worked very well that I passed the written exam in the first go and also the practical exam in the first attempt. However, mm-hmm. it still took quite a long time mm-hmm. for me sending in uh, all my documents for the initial assessment. Mm-hmm. I think that was maybe in August 2014. And then the written exam was maybe February 15 and the practical one November 15. Mm-hmm. So it kind of drags out for quite a long time. Yeah. And um, have you heard about the pass rates in those exams? I've heard they're quite low. Yes, they are. They are very low. Um, and I think I actually had to look it up the other day. I think with the written one, I think probably 25, 30% passed the written exam. And mm-hmm. out of those 25, 30%, only maybe 20 then pass the uh, practical exam. Okay. And so, so you have to pass the written first yeah. and then do the practical? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I say with the practical exam, um, me having worked on patients for quite some time, having to go back uh, to the SIM clinic, or mm-hmm. actually I had my own little home set up at home where I was sitting with my little compressor, I had my little head, I had <laughs> my little Nissan model, and I was practicing suddenly crown preps again. I said, ooh, I haven't done one in a while, so how does that work again? Yeah, and the good thing was really came out of that I met some wonderful people mm-hmm. here that were going through the same journey, and we had a fantastic study group that's good and that it's probably what was probably what you are also doing now in the gen- university you've got your groups mm-hmm. yeah you work together you assess each other's work and that probably that really helped me throughout the journey mm-hmm. and um, of course then it took some while uh, with the APRA registration mm-hmm. and uh, yeah for me to get that qualification back uh, yes that was a it's big difficult. big hurdle and yeah. I presume there's that period where you have to be here to sit the examinations and do yeah. all that, but you can't be working. Correct. Mm. Correct. That, so that was one part, but also um, I didn't have a working visa. So therefore I was fortunate enough mm-hmm. to actually then being able to spend my time on studying for the exams and preparing for the practicals there as well. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you particularly miss about Germany? Um, I think a lot of you have also moved either from interstate or from overseas. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you ask everyone, it's, it's probably your your surroundings, like your family and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting part is really um, not that there was anything good about COVID, but it actually brought everyone a little bit closer together to be able to communicate via FaceTime mm-hmm. and, and putting the effort in of communication. So I don't really feel distance or distance from my family or friends. So that is actually really quite good, although you kind of miss out on some of their major life events, some friends, they suddenly there's kid number two <laughs> and those people are getting married and then I couldn't attend one of my friend's marriage because uh, we weren't allowed to leave the country. So uh, some things that you kind of miss out on, but you still kind of stay in contact with them. As I say, Germany itself, I can't really say that I miss much about it I think I kind of see more the benefits or the beauty of Adelaide and Australia, Mm -hmm. so that outweighs at the moment anything that I would potentially miss. Because Mm -hmm. I think you all don't know how great Adelaide is. (laughs) I I am actually from Adelaide. Mm -hmm. I've lived here for about 15 years. 
Um, and I always feel that when students come from interstate or yeah. from big cities overseas yeah. and they're like, oh, it's very quiet here. Yeah. <laughs> a bit boring. I'm like, no, there's lots of great things to do in Adelaide. I think you just have to look for it. You have to go out yes. you know, to the hills or yes. um, to the suburbs and find things to do, especially the nature. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. There is... Um I talked to some of the students who I asked, have you ever been to Port Nalanga? No. <laughs> oh, I heard there's, there's a sets clinic there, so I might have got my placement there. Yeah, but nah, Port Nalanga is fantastic. You can go snorkeling, you can go diving there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful beaches. Yeah, yes, the city beaches are great, but gee, I'm totally biased when it comes to the beaches uh, in the south. <laughs> yeah, and, and being fortunate to living close to some of the best wine regions of the world. Yes. Yeah, of course, not everyone likes wine, but it is absolutely brilliant to be. I live 10 minutes away from McLaren Road. Fantastic. And I said, with the nature, especially in uh, South Australia, beautiful. Mm-hmm. We're going to plan a trip in winter going over to the Air Peninsula. Oh, fan- beautiful. I've fan- never been over there. Yeah. See, you are even from Adelaide. Mm-hmm. You've never <laughs> been there. There we go. Now, we kind of try to do a lot of camping trips, especially also for the dogs to kind of experience different mm-hmm areas even york peninsula fantastic yeah. beautiful areas or just go down the florio peninsula mm-hmm. i think you've got um was it dent camp or something you do yes. that in normanville yes there we go so you all go already down the florio uh, grab some cars and just explore the area there mm-hmm. it's just beautiful. there are some beautiful places yeah. down there like second valley yeah. yeah second valley you can also go and do some snorkeling or mm-hmm. if you go to rapid bay that's also fantastic for snorkeling and mm-hmm. diving yeah it's not that far away there either do you dive yes well, my husband, he is a professional diver. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, so therefore, um, we do the things with D. I'm the dentist, he's the diver. <laughs> and um, so therefore, um, he actually taught me diving. Uh-huh. And so... How was that? Um, interesting, because especially if you think about your husband telling you, oh, you have to do this and this. Oh, really? Oh, it can be a little <laughs> bit challenging being taught. Uh, it's like when your parents teach you to dive. Yeah, no, no, but... Uh, no, it was fantastic because I had a very odd experience with my first dive trial in Egypt uh, 20 years ago and he actually made me overcome that fear that I had there. So that was, it was fantastic and he is a brilliant instructor mm-hmm. and uh, so therefore I was actually quite fortunate now to be taught by him diving and we really enjoy doing that. That's good to hear. Mm-hmm. No, I've always, I've always thought diving is beautiful but very scary. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, you have to see what is scary. Are you scared of the nature that surrounds you there? Or are you scared of what you experience in yourself? Mm-hmm. Because you are breathing mm-hmm. like it's underwater. Yeah? And, and you're kind of in a narrow space. Some patients have got... No, no, patients are patients. <laughs> Here we're talking dentistry. Um, no, but, but some people actually really feel a little bit claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have got a bit of anxiety there. Um, but the nice thing about underwater, it is peaceful mm-hmm. it's calm it's yes. fantastic and then you can really learn to relax there mm-hmm. you should try it one day maybe i will yes maybe maybe down south <laughs> <laughs> all right we're now going to take a short break and we'll hear a message from our sponsor right evans partners the dental accounting and finance specialists our people are here to assist you in every step of your career whether you're a student dentist or business owner We have the tools and the experience to see you succeed. Our dental graduate program provides you with a complimentary tax return or business activity statement and a financial health check to help you kickstart your career. Contact us today via our website, Facebook and Instagram or on 8208 4777 to start planning your financial future. Web, with you every step of the way. 
Thank you to our sponsor for that. Now, Dr. Selbach, I have another question for you. What brought you to dentistry? I'm going to be very honest right now. It was a, a tick in a box on my university mm -hmm. application form that said, uh, if you can't get into medicine, how about dentistry? I think that's quite a common story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would like to tell a different one, but no, I can't. So my, my overall goal was always after high school, I wanted to study medicine. Mm -hmm. I had never had the intention of doing dentistry mm -hmm. at all. I was not sure about what a dentist does, what the overall job uh, entails. Mm -hmm. And um, in Germany at the universities, medicine and dentistry, they run parallel kind of for the first two years, mm -hmm. where there are a lot of courses that are the same. Physiology, chemistry, yeah. biochemistry, physics, and all of this, so they are quite interchangeable. And so, therefore, that's why they offer if you can't get into medicine, how about dentistry? And I thought, okay, I'll start off with dentistry and then I uh, pass some courses that then get accredited for medicine mm -hmm. and then I'll swap over. And uh, in Germany, you study or the intake is semester wise, so every half a year. So, then half a year later, uh, after I had done one semester of dentistry, I actually got the job offer, not the job offer, the uh, university offer for mm -hmm. medicine. What did I do? I declined that one because I really liked dentistry. Because in the first semester, um, it's not only about human biology, etc. It's You also did the lab work mm -hmm. where you worked in the sim clinic, you kind of did your first crown preps, you had to wax up the crown, you had to oh. cast the crown. Uh, That's quite advanced. Yeah, yeah. You, had, you had to kind of bend some clasp around teeth and, and build your first uh, denture. Mm -hmm. And I said, it was, it was a very good experience. So that actually made me look more into the profession where I said like, well, do you know medicine? Yep, I could go and leave now and do medicine, but no, I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's why I stayed with dentistry. So a, a lucky coincidence then? It was a very lucky coincidence because if I would have uh, gotten medicine in the first place, I would have. We would not you be sitting here. Yeah. Nah, we would not be sitting here and having this talk. <laughs> so how how long was your course? Um, it's also five years. Five years. So mm -hmm. it's uh, ten semesters. So yep. five years and. But we have got uh, about four months afterwards that are just final exams. Okay, right. So if, if you finish your course in, we finish our course in February and then the exams, they went until June. Mm -hmm. So that's four months of um, practical and theory exams. Where practical exams, you have to do endodontic treatment and the professor comes and looks at the patient, you do your fillings. Uh, I had to do a full upper and lower denture in a class three patient and it's not only do doing the impressions and, and the jaw relation but you also had to set up the teeth, you had to make the denture mm -hmm. yourself in the lab. So uh, I still remember this class three, I just, oh my god, how am I going to set up those teeth, I'm not really sure. Um, you have to make an orthodontic appliance for a patient. Um, yeah, and I said you have got, uh, I think, 14, yeah, 14 oral exams as well and all the different Oral exams? Mm -hmm. It's interesting how the courses yeah. are so different, yeah. even though it's the same length yeah. of time, you get the same same sort of qualification yeah. at the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, you, within the university, mm -hmm. you work within the field of perio. Were you always passionate about that? Or if not, what, what sparked your interest? Well, if I want an answer in Aussie, I would say yeah, um, <laughs> yes and no. Um, as I in in dental school, I had a very good professor in Perio. Mm -hmm. He was a very quirky person, 
um, absolutely funny, very dry in his humor, inappropriate jokes, fantastic, absolutely my style. And he actually made the whole subject interesting. Mm -hmm. Whereas you had some other teachers who said, oh, okay, yeah, we really have to torture ourselves now to go through this whole material. Yeah, the tutor makes all the difference. Yeah, and, and uh, th this professor, he was really good to really engage us in the theory of, of mm -hmm. periodontics. I never had him in the clinic, but at least the theory part. And then he finished his session and then he went to the car park, jumped into his bright yellow Lamborghini and drove off. <laughs> I'm not talking about every dentist is going to become super rich and drive a Lamborghini, but he was such a quirky person, it didn't fit him, this car, <laughs> but it just whole made the package. So mm -hmm. um, as I, this was already, I was sort of like, oh, that's really interesting, mm -hmm. this is really good. And um, when I graduated, I worked in a private practice and I thought, oh, endo, I love endo, I want to become an endodontist. But my boss, who I worked for, who didn't like endos, so I actually had to do all the endos for him mm -hmm. in those years. And I was like, oh, no, there should be something else. Mm -hmm. No, but uh, coming back to the last question that you asked about uh, me, why did I choose dentistry and me always having had the interest in medicine, I think in the end it is really perio is the link between mm -hmm. your general health and your oral health. So I'm kind of more a medical dentist, mm -hmm. I call myself, not just perio, but it's, I think it's still the link that we kind of small yeah. that I see in between those two disciplines and that always sparked my interest. And um, I'm not a full periodontist. I don't just, just do perio work. I'm mm -hmm. still a general practitioner. So there, there's so much around perio that you also enjoy doing. Your patient comes up here, uh, now I've got the recession, I've got the black triangles, can we do something about it? Yes, I love to do those com composite build-ups right. uh, to close those black triangles. Yeah. So you enjoy the, the, I guess, the more holistic Correct. treatment of the patient? Correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. So therefore I don't necessarily see me just working in perio, mm -hmm. but depending on what my referrals also allow me to do, I kind of also like to work in that uh, aesthetic yeah. field there as well. And um, why, why actually perio? It was also another coincidence. Um, after having worked in private practice, I got an offer from a junior university who kind of headhunted me, would you like to work for us? I said, yes, please, and that was for the Department of Restorative Dentistry and Periodontics. Okay. So I kind of fell into this place, mm -hmm. and there it was another very inspiring uh, person who worked there as well, and mm -hmm. then I said, okay, perio, that's my field, mm -hmm. and I haven't regretted it. That's good. Not, not a single second. <laughs> Have you always liked doing scale and cleans? Well, that's your bread and butter. Yes. Yeah, and I say, and, and if you once experience the magic of the healing power, mm -hmm. what you can achieve with your debridement, mm -hmm. yeah, and uh, how, how much you can actually change for the patient by doing it, um, is when you start falling in love with yes. it. I feel yeah. like it's a love or hate thing. Kind I feel like I speak to a lot of students who either love doing debridement or hate it. Well, and, and that's the thing. Well, where does the hate come from? Of course, we kind of have to go through the sim clinic uh, mm -hmm. stuff where we kind of have to practice it. But I say, once you experience how much power you have in this whole healing mm -hmm. process, this is where you start really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. yeah? And uh, we have to talk to those people who don't like it. We have to see how can we get you, how can we convince you? <laughs> It's true what you say though yeah. about the, the link, I guess, yeah. between the healing of yeah. the, the whole body, yeah. a bit more than just teeth. Yeah, and the thing is, it is 
as I was the department, it is your bread and butter, it is mm -hmm. your core skill that yes. you have to master. It is the same thing, for example, if you're an endodontist, you can be perfect in preparing the canals, but if you can't get the excess uh, cavity right, well, you can't start. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And that's the same thing in perio, so therefore this is your core skill. Yeah, mm -hmm. later on, if this does not work, then you start looking into surgeries, and this is another whole topic, this is where the interesting bit starts. <laughs> yeah. But in the end, um, some, some always see um, periodontics as, oh, I want to place implants, I want a mm -hmm. surgery. I say, well, we try to avoid this in the first place. So we actually want to avoid our patients to having the need of an implant. We want to try to save those teeth first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is where our core skills of the debride come in yes. place again. How did you decide that you wanted to work within the dental school? Now here comes my big ego. Um, I want to change the world. <laughs> no, uh, what, what I mean, um, not necessarily the world itself. It would be lovely mm -hmm. if I could do it. Big task. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing is, by you restoring your patient's oral health and the periodontal health is the main component of that, you change their world. Yeah. And for me it is really, there's only that much that I can do being a sole practitioner in a practice. Mm -hmm. I can change the patient's world just only for the patients that I see. Mm -hmm. But going back to the basis being to the dental school and changing the next generations or dentists next mm -hmm. generation and their perspective on perio this is a cumulative effect yes. and overall we all are going to change our patients world so um perio is as i say is a little bit of this love and hate relationship mm -hmm. and you're going to have a lot of practitioners out there that kind of either have not had the right training in the past mm -hmm or kind of just don't see the disease itself. And you're gonna have patients in the future that come to you that have might have seen this practitioner for 20 years and suddenly you diagnose them with periodontitis and they are very upset because no one has ever said anything about mm -hmm. that disease that they've had that one for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, by just already sharpening your awareness, you, you are the next generation of dentists out there. You are all aware of di to diagnose the disease mm -hmm. and hopefully also Either you treat it yourself, yeah, or you find the other qualified practitioners who can do it for you. And I said, this is going to change the world. It sounds big, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but for the, for the patients it is big. Now, the, the other fact is really, um, I have always thoroughly enjoyed teaching. Mm -hmm. Even if it was just some sort of uh, tutoring in high school. Um, mm -hmm. For example, when I came back from my exchange year, uh, some people asked me, oh, can you help me with English? Mm -hmm. um, or other subjects, I was always tutoring math and English. And um, but also during university, that uh, I had other students in my study group. Um, I said, oh, okay, but I really did not understand this. Can you please explain this to me? And the thing is, the more you are able to explain a subject, the more you actually understand it mm -hmm. yourself. Yes. If that makes any sense, it because does. if you can explain it, don't road learn, don't just learn facts, you want to learn why has that happened, what mm -hmm. is the reason behind it, yeah, and as soon as you can explain that to someone else, suddenly it makes, oh, yeah, that's right, I never got it, but now I got it, yeah, so therefore work, work together with your uh, colleagues, yeah, mm -hmm. have study groups and try to explain topics to each other. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you might get this, oh, that's what it was all about. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's even true with explaining things to different yeah. groups of people, mm-hmm. like being able to explain a disease to a patient. You have mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. like a different understanding of it Correct. and how yeah. how to find like what's the key information that the yeah. patient needs to know and how yeah. can you explain it in a way they'll understand. Yeah. Do you have any advice oh. to offer the BDS and VOH students today? It might be advice, not necessarily now as you as a student, but uh, advice for your work career. Um, work within your limits. Mm. You cannot be good at everything. You just can't. And so therefore, um, dentistry is is a career you kind of tend to work by yourself a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We are all little hermit crabs. The reason mm-hmm. I'm saying it, I just went on a night dive last week Thursday. It was beautiful. There was this field of hermit crabs. Usually they're just by themselves, but once mm-hmm. at nighttime they gather around, do some funky business, mm-hmm. and they fight over the next biggest shell or whatever they can find. Yeah? But usually kind of hermit crabs are by themselves. Mm-hmm. And this is the same with dentistry. You work in your room, you are kind of by yourself, and um, Collaboration there sometimes is really the key, because Mm -hmm. you can't be good at everything. And so therefore it is great to work in a practice where you have got a practitioner who has got a keen interest, for example, in endo, fantastic. Mm -hmm. So this is not my part, then refer your patient, because in the end we want to have the best for our patients. Yeah, and if there's something where you, yes, I've learned it, I can do it, but I think there are people out there that can actually do it a lot better. So what is the best interest in your patients? You might want to collaborate with that practitioner. Mm-hmm. So find out what you are what you are good at, where you can excel. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing is also perfectionism is good and bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. We always try to be perfect. But we can't because that is a program to failure at some stage because we set our expectations so high that we think we, we, we never achieve them. Yeah. So we want to thrive actually really for excellence. Yeah, We want to enjoy the journey of us kind of learning the way to get there. Mm. Yeah, and um, So therefore find those, th- those areas in dentistry where you can thrive, where you can become excellent. We can't become perfect, mm-hmm. yeah, but we can work on us kind of uh, being or doing the most excellent job for our patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So therefore, you can't be good at everything. I'm sorry to say that. <laughs> no, it's very good advice. And it's a little hard to take on. Well, but the thing is, because in the students, we're going to set your basic skills here at the dental mm-hmm. school. And your interests will change. As I for me, where I always want to kind of endodontist. I still like doing endos, for example. If I do a, a root resection or amputation, I like doing the endo up front. Yeah? But I say when it comes to more complex tasks there, I say, oh, I can find an MB2, but more not all of the times. But there are people out there that can find it in most of the cases. Yeah? So there is this kind of ask for help. And another thing sometimes is, I know it is not evidence-based, but you should trust your intuition. Because mm-hmm. quite frequently you might have a patient booked in where I was like, oh, should I really attempt that extraction? Oh, yeah, give it a go. No, you shouldn't have. <laughs> so this is something kind of really learn to trust, learn to know your abilities, mm-hmm. learn to know what your skills are, what your boundaries are. And, and if there's something you want to learn, ask for help, get a mentor. Mm-hmm. 
it is good for your first job out there if you can end up in a practice where you get mentorship. Don't get thrown in there to sit in your room and to deal with everything by yourself. You can't. Yeah. It is I, difficult. That's the thing about dentistry. Yeah. With yeah. If, you, if you do study yeah. something like medicine, you graduate and do internships yes. or rotations yes. with dentistry, yeah. you can leave and be fully on your own. Yes. And, and that is kind of, it, it, it's a bit, it is scary. It is scary. Mm -hmm. As I find the right practice where you can get the support. Mm. Um, I was start. I just had the discussion yesterday in the same clinic uh, with one of my colleagues. What was your first job? And I started working in a private practice. And the beauty about that was uh, we had technicians who worked in the same practice. Mm. So therefore, um, you did your crown prep. Yeah, there they did the cast, and I could have a look half an hour later at the prep in the in the models. Like, oh, ah, I really should have done that differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could have discussed um, your denture design with the technicians, where you might have had an idea, but then suddenly the technician said, "No, nah, that's not possible. I can't do it." Mm -hmm. So that was a great feedback loop for me to learn about fixed and memproth. Mm -hmm. And um, so therefore, also if you've got practitioner, that was also the first time that I was able to assist my boss in implant dentistry. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. This dentist was placing quite a few implants, so I was assisting. Assisting is a great form of observing, mm -hmm. yeah. And um, even within the school, if you have got the opportunity not only to assist maybe in the specialist clinic, but also to assist each other. It's a great mm -hmm. way of learning. We just did the splinting exercise yesterday in the mm -hmm. STEM clinic, and there we kind of asked you to assist each other. And yep. for, for some of you, well, you were in the group as well, Ella. I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, you were there. So therefore, it's kind of, oh, what is assisting? What, what do I have to do? It's, it's mm -hmm. more than just holding the, the curing light or the Definitely. suction. So you can do four-handed dentistry, mm -hmm. you can hand over industry, uh, instruments, you learn to read your practitioner's mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what instruments do they need next? Oh yeah, uh, this one, yeah, right. And this is what, what is the, that makes it a whole new experience. Definitely. Yeah? So therefore, when you start working in a practice, um, find a mentor, ask them if you're allowed to assist them when mm -hmm. they're doing a task. Have a look at the books or oh, what are you doing there? A surgical extraction, can I please assist you? Can I learn from this? Because there's only a certain, a certain amount of what we can actually teach you here at the school. Yes, definitely five years goes quickly. Very quickly and five years are not enough. Mm -hmm. But it will never be enough until mm -hmm. the last day that you are going to work you are still learning from your tasks on the patients. Always something new. Yeah. Always a new patient with a new mouth. Exactly. It's a new set of teeth and the new human that is attached to those teeth. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's happening with their medical history. How do they react? Yeah. Yeah. So therefore, you will learn something until the last day that you work in this profession. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So continue on with that learning. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit, a little bit daunting to think about, but I also quite like that about dentistry you are never done with it and there's always always something new and that's yeah it's not daunting but that makes it interesting mm -hmm. just imagine it would be repetitive work all the time yeah mm -hmm. for the students who love and hate debridement <laughs> yes kind of repetitive but every tooth is different you don't know where are those concavities are where the calculus is hiding mm -hmm. yeah what, what what is the the defect anatomy oh there are two bone walls that's why i couldn't get in there everything is new mm -hmm. and i said you don't know how your patient is reacting to that mm -hmm. treatment yeah so that makes it really interesting 
and how good it is to work in a job that stays interesting. We have our final question now. Yeah. It's one we introduced to the podcast last year. If you could describe yourself as any dental instrument or burr, what would it be and why? You all probably know that I love the Calculus Explorer probe. Um, I like the word explorer. <laughs> yeah, Not only with the instrument, but also for me now having moved to Australia, there's so much to explore in this country. Exploring the city, yeah, for all of those yes. ones, nothing is happening in Adelaide. That's <laughs> not true. This city has changed so much within the last eight years that I've been living here now. It's it's fantastic to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, development. Yeah. Explore explore the nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, explore the countryside. Um, that's why I like the word explorer. Yes. You see and yourself as a bit adventurous? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Or you can ask me a few things what I've done in my life. Yes, there are mm-hmm. some some adventures that have been there. And um, and also another funny story, because um, I was teaching at a German university also for quite some time. And one of my former students, uh, I, I met this person at a congress a few years later. And he told me the story that he could never remember the name of the explorer probe because in germany has got a weird number combination and oh, okay. yeah, so it's so your your birds are yeah. in letters in, in your shape. <laughs> yeah yeah so um so it's the exd 11 12 probe and he was never really sure what the name of that one is so in his practice he named it the selbach probe because <laughs> i always said i said doesn't matter what you use yeah you must use your probe mm-hmm. to kind of assess your work before yes. and afterwards no but and so therefore that's called the selbach probe mm-hmm. so that, that's quite convenient um no but it's also kind of um with the probe you can get to the bottom of things mm-hmm. yeah you get to the bottom of the defect and you feel what is there and and you always have to ask yourself, what is it? What, what are you feeling there? What can it be? How can I change that to then actually really kind of change the overall treatment? Just one more thing, because I want to do some advertisement for periodontics while I'm on air. Yeah. Um, we had a talk uh, on Monday amongst the PCPC group and where they also ask about specialties and the other thing that kind of draw me to perio are the patient uh, practitioner relationships. Right. Why, why is that? Um, one thing for you to kind of think about: if you are an orthodontist, you're gonna do your treatment. Might take a few years time. You might see the patient for another kind of check a few years later, but then you might never see that patient again. Mm-hmm. If you're an endodontist, your patient comes in pain, you treat the pain, yeah? you, you, you change the world for that patient in that moment. Yeah? You complete the endodontic treatment. You might do another assessment a year later, you might take a radiograph to see if the uh, bone has healed, but then you might not see that patient mm-hmm. again. Yes. So what is the beauty about being a periodontist? Those patients stay your patients not for life, but uh, for a long time, Mm -hmm. for the time that you work together with them in that practice. Because for example, when I finish my initial phase therapy, I have them in re-evaluation, then of course it depends if they do need any surgical Mm -hmm. treatment or not. But I recall all my patients for the first year, because in the first year you kind of see the greatest relapse. Right. So therefore, and then later on when I see, yes, they are stable, then I can send them back to their 
dentist mm -hmm. and where I say fantastic you can take care of the recall but I still would like to see that patient maybe every six months mm -hmm. or every 12 months depending on the patient how well the situation is controlled or not so um, and out of the reason that you kind of regularly see those patients and this is where that great uh, patient practitioner relationship actually really comes from and most of the patient that you see as a periodontist they are the advanced cases Mm -hmm. Those patients' fear of losing their dentition and you actually being able to assist those patients and helping them, mm -hmm. that is another bond that is there. Mm -hmm. yeah? So therefore it's a long bond and uh, another advice, coming mm -hmm. back to this one question, um, be authentic. My patients know a lot about me. <laughs> a lot. Yeah? <laughs> students, students know a lot about me as well. Yeah? Mm -hmm. You know my dog's names, yeah? mm -hmm. you know I've got chickens at home now. Yeah? Mm -hmm. The same as with my patients. I think we had lots of tears when I moved to Australia because I had seen some of those patients for eight years every three wow. months. Yeah, they're like, you can't leave me, yeah. you cannot leave me. I said, you'll be fine. There's going to be someone else mm -hmm. who's going to take care of your oral health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but this is kind of, it, it's a beautiful bond that is happening there. And I said, with the periodontist, it's for a long time. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Selbach, for taking the time to talk to us today. And thank you also to Neha, who's going to be editing this episode. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe to Al Dente through Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you in a fortnight.